there they all are now again, the Irish in Sweden. Welcome to another episode of the podcast for the Irish in Sweden. And be Jesus, if this has as many listeners as it did suggestions for this particular guest that is going to be coming up on this episode, it will be absolutely off the charts, boys and girls. My name is Philip O'Connor. I do this podcast every week. It's a community-based podcast. It only exists because you do. And it exists with your ears and your support. If you'd like to do so, go to patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm. Sign up for the Patreon. Or you can support the show by squishing a few bob to 123 now, lads, you know, tell you how the sausage is made as we like to do in this podcast. Um, I'm in my little summer house today, which is why you can hear a clock in the background that I forgot existed. So you can hear it ticking away there in the background. I hope it's not annoying you too much. But it is late on Sunday evening, the night before this comes out, and uh, I've been both working on the little house here, and I have been doing my regular work with sports reporting for writers and writing articles to bait the band and that kind of thing. So sitting here in the sun is shining in the window, and I'm a very privileged gentleman altogether. That said, I could do with the privilege of a few lads and ladies with hammers down here if anybody wants to come down and help me, because there's a load of stuff to be done three years after we bought it the height of the pandemic i hope you're well i was just getting going here and as um often a situation whereby you're trying to pull together all the different threads of people things of things people told you on whatsapp and that you saw on facebook and you might have seen something on twitter and then some lad tagged you on something on linkedin and this kind of thing they're trying to go oh geez i must mention that in the podcast and then you go you know why would you write these things down no, no, why would you make these e- these things easy for yourself? Like, no, no, no. So I pulled them all together there. And one of the things I wanted to event, uh, to mention to you today was an event in Malmo. And sure, didn't it uh, turn out that it took place today? So they had uh, an event at Fagan's Pub with book readings and book swaps and that kind of thing. Peter Miller, I have to hand it to Miller. He's doing great work down there now altogether. I object strongly to using people's surnames to describe them. But a lot of people in Malmo just call Peter Miller Miller. And occasionally I do that as well. But I'd rather call him Peter. But then I suppose nobody would know who I meant anyway they had their event down there today i hope it went well recently you had spuds and sill there in stockholm doing their performances of dancing in lunasa and i believe the thing was a huge success altogether there was very few tickets uh, to be had and that the production itself was absolutely out of this world and i'm not one bit surprised because they're absolutely brilliant i mean for years now they've been producing uh, shows that were written by Niall Balfe and play, plays like the likes of uh, Dancing at Lunas and they just do a tremendous job altogether. There's so much love and everything else in it. So if anybody from Spuds and Sill is listening and they want to come on for a few minutes and talk about the experience of it and, and what they enjoyed about it and how it went and what the next show is going to be, the door is always open. The door is always open to the Irish community here and it seems to be growing and growing and growing and um, every now and again I say to you, right, throw me your suggestions for people to talk to and some people will get in touch and say yeah I'm doing this or I have this business and more often uh, you'll also get people who get in touch and they say right you should interview this person this is a fascinating person right now sometimes I know them sometimes I don't lads and uh, th- that was the case with Claire O'Halloran who you're going to hear from on this week's podcast right Claire is would you describe her as a chef a restaurateur I don't know how you describe her best but basically Claire came to Sweden uh, just under a decade ago and started working in fairly high end restaurants and that kind of thing and she is now behind a new restaurant on Timmerman Scott and on Southern here in Stockholm called Inini, which is the Irish word for daughters, right? And I swear to God, the last time I put the call out for people saying, oh, you know, uh, give me a few suggestions for people to interview, I got bombarded with people saying, oh, you have to interview Claire, you have to interview Claire, Claire is brilliant. And you know what? They weren't wrong, lads. Now, all credit to Claire Claire was extremely busy at the time setting up uh, this restaurant that kind of thing and she's been under enormous pressure lately but she made the time for me last Saturday morning or sorry last Friday morning to sit down and talk about it and I'm immensely grateful to her for doing so because it was just a tremendous conversation and somebody with that love of food and that level of knowledge of the business etc etc uh, so I'll tell you what let's get uh, to hearing from Claire then and I'll be back to talk a little bit more about the restaurant and what it looks like and all that kind of thing after this here she is the magnificent Claire O'Halloran I don't think I've ever got as many messages and SMSs from people going, you have to get this girl on the podcast. Before you even opened here, James oh, Lioness was on the oh, phone going, Oh, lovely. Here you go, get this in here. 
tell us about uh, Ineany. I'm hopefully I'm pronouncing it in you the Irish way. You did pronounce it right, yeah. There yeah, you go. Absolutely. Where did the idea come from and when did you open here on Sunday? Um, the idea came last year. So there was originally, there was another restaurant here that I was working at and under the same umbrella company. So the guys that still own here. And the girl that was behind the creative side of that wanted to step away. So the boys sort of sat down with me and was like, oh, we feel maybe you'd like to do something here. And then we just started sitting and talking and it was like, okay, if I'm going to be on the creative side of things, Mm -hmm. then it's going to have to be... It's going to have to be yours. Exactly. And it's going to have to come from a food culture that I understand. Mm. Otherwise, you're cooking something that there's no feeling in. Yeah. So you can't really do it. And then we kept talking and it was like, we'll keep it casual, keep it easy, approachable for everybody. Nothing sort of like wild Mm. gastronomically that nobody understands. Put put (laughs) rhubarb and weird shit. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Rhubarb's for dessert, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so then we just started, kept talking and the sort of idea of a gastro bar came up Mm. um, and then the guys were, of course, knew that I grew up speaking Gaelic. Mm. So they were like, "Let's, uh, let's have a name, a Gaelic name that, you know, is different but has meaning to it and it's not something that it's gonna stick in people's minds a little bit because they won't know the name sort of thing Uh, the original name was Iha but the city couldn't pronounce it So, it's, so, uh, it's like my kids' names, you know. My uh, eldest daughter, uh, she uses Searsha. Her name is Indian oh, Searsha. Okay. She uses Searsha, and, and like school people are just going, I don't even I know. D- what that I'm is. not even going to attempt. Yeah, are we uh, playing Wordle? What are we doing? Exactly. Here, you know? So, Eha was sort of on board for a while until um, my restaurant manager, Lida, jumped on. Mm. Um, and it was her that sort of started to point out, okay, this is. A, this may be problematic. This is the problem. And then when we started on the testing and ordering stuff, and the suppliers were calling it, Ooch, and I was like, okay, we Ooh, can't, okay. we can't go there. So then the uh, the name came about. I said to Lita, uh, write a list of Gaelic words, yeah, and you say them to me uh, without me actually seeing the word, and I can see if I understand what Sorry, you're saying. Um, and then of course, Anini, we're two two women, two daughters. It made sense. Um, they pronounce it, Swedish people pronounce it wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> it was still, it was still understandable. <laughs> well, that's the most part. Like, I don't care. Exactly. Once you get, okay. I was like, as long as we're not calling the restaurant ooch, then it's fine. Yes, exactly. Come here, spend your money, we'll get to the restaurant later. Exactly. Um, you mentioned your background and uh, growing up as an Irish speaker. What part yeah. of the country did you grow up in? I grew up in Navin, in Meath. So there's Gael Skulls there. Yeah. Uh, so mum and dad sent us, myself and my older sister Aoife. So and did your mum Dad speak Irish as well? No, not a word. <laughs> Must be great things at the dinner table. It, it, it was, it was handy, uh, handy growing up. Absolutely, yeah. So we went to primary and secondary mm. uh, through uh, through Gaelic the whole way through. Mm. Yeah, and my older sister actually did it then in university as well. So, so. Uh, what's it like then for you? Because like it's one of those things that we all learned Irish in school to greater or lesser degrees. It would yeah. have been fairly handy when I left and then forgot it all. Yeah. Like, you don't really, I'm assuming, have a context for that. Apart from the name of your restaurant now, do you still use your Irish with your no. sister? No. Uh, the odd time with Aoife uh, and the odd time with a few friends from university, but not in a, you wouldn't sit down and like spend a whole day uh, yeah. chatting. No, yeah. no, not do, at all. Do you consume sort of Irish language culture, TG Cahar, Radio Nacael? Not anymore, but we would have. We mm. would have growing up, yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. I don't even know if you can get it here, to be honest. You probably can. Ah, d- yeah. There are ways. I'm None of which we'll go into this podcast. No, exactly. I'm sure. I'm sure there are ways. But no, of course, you you leave school. And I did it a little bit in university just because you had to do a language. And I took the lazy way and said, I'll do do that because (laughs) because I'll pass that. (laughs) (laughs) My kids were doing it. They have what they call hemsproke, a home language, you know. And if you have that, you can sort of get rid of some other grade. Oh, I see. So one of my kids took another language and just basically never showed up. Never just whatever. A good way to do it. And the love of food right because I think James was saying to me that was this a Japanese restaurant it was Japanese yeah exactly how did you get into this is like an Anthony Bourdain story how did you get into cooking Japanese food um, I got into cooking, um, actually I knew Sauri, because restaurant industry in the city is tiny, so yeah. we knew each other, um, and the place that I was working before, it actually wasn't, it wasn't a fit for the two of us, I'd only just started, yeah. and 
things happen. Um, so I actually just texted Sauri and I said, I'm looking for a job. I'm wondering if you have anything open. And it turned out that she was actually leaving for maternity leave. Okay. So I jumped in and took her, uh, stepped into her shoes uh, for that year and a half. Uh, mm. And then it worked. So we sort of kept on we it. Kept, we kept at it. Exactly. Yeah. And it was really interesting. It's very different to very different way of approaching cooking. Yeah. Um, of course, trained in a French style and that's put salt and butter on, on everything. Um, so first of all, like, yeah, exactly. all the butter, please. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Japanese look at it in a, in a very different way. It's sort mm. of fermentations, pickles, uh, come into it in a, in a different way. So it's a really good way to sort of train your brain to not just naturally put... Mm. salt into something to sort of think okay does this really need does this need yeah. it and also to sort of think on the wider scale of everything as well to sort of go okay is this when we eat everything together yeah is this gonna be too salty sometimes which can obviously happen yeah if you put season everything as you go along yeah perfectly then when you sit down and have it your brain gets a little bit confused because there's too much coming at you then yeah so, yeah super nice way to and also the uh, sustainability on a japanese food side is crazy they keep uh, everything <laughs> it looks like everything gets used all exactly. right exactly yeah. so that's also a, it's a really good way especially now when you're when you want a business to succeed <laughs> that mm. you're not a not throwing anything out so it's sort of keeping stuff for fermentations and pickling and powders and that sort of thing yeah. Was it a surprise to you? Because obviously, like you say, you come from a French background, doing things a certain way. And mm. French cooking in particular is like, okay, we know this better than absolutely everybody else. Exactly, yeah. And then, like, I found when I, I was in Japan a couple of years ago for the Olympics, and the food was the one thing that stuck out. It was just amazing. Every way you went, yeah. it wasn't all that complex. It was a lot different from maybe what you ate in Navan Ex- growing up. Yeah, you know? 100%. <laughs> was, was it hard to sort of, to you know, because you have to sort of take apart everything you know about food and then build it up again from a different yeah, foundation? To an extent, I suppose in one way it's lucky as well. Like, of course, when you go and visit a country, um, it's slightly different because then you're, it's a, a culture shock in a way. But when you're standing beside somebody who's explaining their thought process, behind it mm. then it, it's sort of it's broken down in a different yeah. in a different way you see everything from start to finish whereas if you go and eat in a restaurant in Japan you don't see that yeah. entire yeah. process so then it sort of makes sense absolutely yeah. Yeah. I had this great great habit there you go in and sit down and they say do you want a menu in English <laughs> no and I said no <laughs> that is number one 101 when you travel if someone says do you want an English menu you say no thank you I'll take I yeah. want to eat what you're yeah. going to eat Give me that. (laughs) And then they'd look at you and you go, you fucking idiot. (laughs) Okay, I have the money, you know. I was actually with an English friend of mine and he would be sort of, you know, we'd be the same age, middle-aged man kind of thing, you know. And he would be the egg and chips kind of guy. Oh, right, okay, yeah. But at the same time, he'll do these things, you know. And uh, we sat there and we just had a point and stuff on the menu. And by the end of it, the waiter was laughing. Yeah, of course, because they figure out that you're having a notion (laughs) what you're pointing at. (laughs) Best meal I've ever had. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. How did you end up in Sweden? Was that always the goal, to bring French cooking to Sweden? No, God, no. No, 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 no. So I went to DIT, which is now called, I don't know what it's called now. (laughs) Was it Kevin Street? No. uh, Uh, Carl Brewer. Carl Brewer Street. (laughs) catering, yeah, that's right. So when I finished here, I came to finish there came to visit a friend uh, that was working here that I'd worked with in Ireland yeah um, and at the time she was working for Matthias Dolgren so the two Michelin starred restaurant that was attached to the Grand Hotel um, which was at that point my background as well was working in Michelin fine dining restaurants but then you're working 18 hour days yeah. uh, it can be six days a week and nothing can go wrong and either. nothing can go wrong and the level of pressure is insane yeah uh, also the horrible working environment is, um, it's it's not until you see that the grass is actually greener on the other side that you realize how destructive yeah, that yeah. first of all that lifestyle is for you mm. uh, but also for like your own mentality and your mm. mental health just sort of in that pressure all the time so when he came um i came to work for a week when i say i came to visit i i w- came to work for free <laughs> for a week and then saw that okay it can be eight hour days and you can do this level of food uh yeah really well so the plan was to just come for a year uh took a job at Upreshalan, the uh, one star that's attached to the opera house yeah. um and then just sort of 
things have just things have just kept showing up. <laughs> There's a load of people listening to this down in their cars, <laughs> nodding, going, "Yeah, I'll get you there." Exactly. I hear you, sister. Um, and it just keeps coming up, and you sort of it's. It is yeah, what it is. is. It is what it is, exactly. So you're here now. You're feel. never going back. Well, it doesn't look like, unless this goes bust anytime soon. Hopefully not. But Hopefully the, things I, go well. The, the restaurant business is sort of more forgiving than many others, you know, but uh, we'll, get, we'll get to that as we go along because it is tough when you're starting up a place uh, yeah. first, you know. Um, did you find a huge difference? Because you mentioned that thing about, you know, okay, you can work eight hours a day mm. and that. Is it different being in a Michelin restaurant and a high-end restaurant in Sweden compared to, you yes, know... it is. It is, yeah. Polar opposite. Is it, yeah? Polar opposite. It's getting better. I don't know about Dublin so much, but definitely England, they're cutting it down to four-day or four day weeks. But when they say four-day weeks, you're... 16 hours a day. It's four days. Yeah. <laughs> it's not It's not four working days. It's like junior doctors. Um, kind of yeah, thing. so that that is... That's definitely a huge thing. When I moved first, I was sort of, you had so much free time. Yeah. That you didn't really know what to do yeah. with yourself. Here in Sweden, yeah. Exactly. And having sort of like two days off in a row was yeah huge. Never <laughs> heard of it. Never heard of it. And then, of course, to be getting paid in the same way, like yeah. um, even better, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but is that, some of us are attracted to that. We were talking before we pressed record here about, you know, the red days, the bank holidays in mm. Sweden, how they make no difference to somebody like you or me, because you're opening here today. Yeah, of course. I'm doing my yeah. thing. I'm working tomorrow, yeah. which is Saturday and that kind yeah. of thing. Are we attracted to it because of that? Because we're not the kind of people that can switch off. Would you see yourself as being as a person who can switch off? One hundred percent. Absolutely. I know my older sister says to me regularly. She's like, "You need to learn to chill." Fifty. What do people are still <laughs> uh, saying this exa- to you? Know? Exactly. I'd say so. Yes, but then when you do need the day where you sort of don't get out of bed yeah there's a possibility of doing it yeah um and i also think i know from my side as well that working all the time is no worries but it's the environment that is surrounding you that makes you want to do it yeah um and they're it's sort of like paramount to be nice to people Mm. whereas sometimes those sort of high-end restaurants at home and in england that's not really the it's not really the goal sometimes. Yeah, I suppose there's a lot of people out there who've read or listened to Kitchen Confidential and they've heard the jargon and the things it could be. Have things improved since Bourdain wrote that book? Absolutely. They have? Absolutely have. They have in some places. It's sort of, I think it's it's improving now as sort of my generation comes into management positions. Yeah. Because we were sort of starting... At the point where things were changing. Yeah. Uh, so it, and God, don't get me wrong, we're all human. Like, oh, there's going to be palms clattering and of people shouting. Of course, shout that, yeah? there is. It's, it's, of course, going to happen. But now they're in, in the different sense of where I started training, you have a conversation with somebody afterwards. Yeah. You sort of go, I'm sorry for, yeah. you know, speaking in that way, or I'm sorry that things got stressed, mm. and sort of check in to see if they actually are. But they're okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Like, it's um, sometimes things aren't okay. Yeah. And then you sort of, then you deal with that. Yeah. Rather than what we had of just sort of somebody like, you know, verbal abuse all day and then just go, oh, I'll see you back here at seven in the morning sort yeah. of thing. And we're uh, all surrounded by sharp knives and one exa- of these days. A hundred percent. But then I guess there's the other side of things that it's sort of, it is a job that maybe it's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, that sometimes you have to have that mentality as well, that it is sort of like, okay, we're going to be stressed. We're going to, now it's sort of focus yeah. sort of thing. Um, yeah. We're sitting in the restaurant, what you can hear in the background there, for those of <laughs> yeah. you listening, Cassie is in there getting everything ready for this evening and the discussions around food. I love that. Some people go, oh no, it has to be. Blind boy is mad for that really, really quietly. I don't. Okay. We, we want the work in the background. What was it, Claire, that attracted you to food? Because Navin is not known for its cuisine. Right? I have mom and dad, 100%. Were they? Mom and dad, yeah. Dad had always had a huge interest in food, and people have always, often asked us, like, oh, did you grow up in, like, stews and things like that? We didn't grow up on that at home. It was pasta, stir fries, mm. you know, Italian-style stuff, until, of course, mom cooked. Then it was, you know... Traditional stuff. Uh, more on the traditional side. And mom bakes... Um, baked bread, scones, that kind of thing. We were surrounded by food all the time. Mm. Vegetable garden at the back. Um, yeah, so it was something, it was 
something that was always there. I actually started studying architecture first and, well, <laughs> that didn't go very well. Well, in modern cooking, it could be very <laughs> useful. <laughs> it didn't go very well. So uh, that's when I sort of went back to university and was like, okay, I actually do really enjoy doing this and maybe it's a... Sometimes your hobby can can become your job, and then obviously it turns out wasn't too bad at it. <laughs> but, but, but do you actually you're like? I found I was talking to somebody about football the other day, right? When I was a kid, I loved football, right? Mm. I don't actually really like football much anymore, right? Because okay. I work with it so much. I love watching women's football. I love yeah. watching amateur football. The Champions League, that I just don't care anymore yeah. because I know how rotten the whole business yeah, is, of right? Course, yeah. Do you still retain that love of food and of people and of feeding people? One hundred percent. Um, and I'd say that's a, going back to not being able to switch off. Our jobs are, are you're around it every day. Yeah. And also, we all go out and eat all the time. Like your Do days, you, yeah. yes, constantly. <laughs> our, your days off are go to the new restaurant, see something, you know, travel, get yeah. inspiration. Like it's our yeah, our your jobs are constantly. In, in the back of your mind. Also, we don't have friends outside of the industry. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the other things. <laughs> yeah, do you know any pilots, though? No, <laughs> we, we all know each other. Um, and and now, of course, it's like I said, it's friends of friends are opening up restaurants. It's it's your, the guys that you came up with yeah. that are sort of starting to do that. Mm. So you, you want to go out and support in the same way that people have come here. So. How competitive are you with those people that you've gotten to know over your years in Sweden? You know, uh, do, you, do you look at them and go, oh, that bastard, I wish I'd come up with that concept or that idea? Or do you really want them to succeed, but just not too much? Or No, I wouldn't... S- oh. <laughs> like, Choose your words now, carefully exactly, here, though, right? Now, now, now that real personality flaw is going to come out. Um, no, no, no. I, there wouldn't be a competitiveness. There's only competitiveness when there is awards you know, when there's award nominations, yeah. then there's a then there's a light sort of banter of competitiveness. Mm. But there'd never you'd never hold a grudge against anybody or for anybody sort of succeeding as yeah. well. Because we all know how hard it is yeah. and like sort of how difficult it can be. And of course, if somebody comes up with something that's a little bit different to what other mm. people are doing, then you sort of you praise that person because you know it. It's hard to reinvent food. It's been done for years. For millions so, of years. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, like, no idea is original, but it's more the original idea comes out with how you present it yeah. to the guest. So, yeah. th- no, you'd never, you wouldn't become competitive. That would be, like I said, we don't have any friends. So, if you start to become competitive with your friends, you'll have even less. Then you'll have <laughs> even less. Yeah, days off will become very, very lonely. <laughs> Uh, tell, talk to me about this place here because this was this was a Japanese restaurant beforehand, yes, right? We're yeah. sitting on is it Timmermans Gotham? Timmermans Gotham. Yep. yep. Um, I was asking again before we press record there. This whole place was redecorated, so there's kind of nothing left of the, the only thing, thing that's left is the floor at the moment and this wall behind the bar. But everything was um, more of a green, sort of green black shade, much darker, sort of. It was, uh, interior was done for Itchy in a sort of like Japanese spa sort yes. of feel. Mm-hmm. A lot of wood, a lot of natural, but also quite dark. Yeah. Always curtains here and everything. So yeah. yeah. So no, there's nothing, there's nothing left. Kitchen is exactly the same. That's the only thing that we didn't, uh, we didn't redo, but everything else is, uh, is new. When you sat down to plan how this place was going to look, and it looks fabulous, right? <laughs> um, but when you sat down to plan the menu, what were you trying to say with that? What were you trying to bring to Sweden and Stockholm that didn't exist beforehand? Oh, God, what a question. That's an <laughs> awful question to drop in, isn't it? Horrible. <laughs> um, no, when we sat down and talked about where it would go, um, I was just sort of thinking, okay, what is it that I like to eat? How do I like to go out and eat? Mm. So the concept with the menu is sort of small things, that, okay, get a load of those in at the same time, fill the table with food, and then you have a little bit of everything, and then everyone starts talking, and then there's an atmosphere Mm. in the restaurant as well, because there's nothing worse when you go out and eat, and it's just sort of like... Total silence. Silence, and then people, it's not super fun to, like, drop in, and so that was sort of original idea, was sort of like, okay, let's get people talking and try something new, and then... As we said earlier, we all go out and eat all the time. But yeah. then you share because you want to taste everything yeah. that's on the menu, especially if it's a new place. Mm-hmm. So you just go, we take one of 
everything. Yeah. So sort of set the menu up, hopefully, <laughs> um, in that way. And then uh, some of the meat courses, then it's sort of like they're sharing. Um, and for me, sort of what I like to eat, <laughs> it's going to sound very basic, but like meat sauce and bread is the best thing. There's a lot of people going to agree with you there. That you, know? you can eat. Yeah. Um, especially if you've tried like some smaller things that are maybe very flavorful. Mm. Then you get meat and salt. Like there's nothing better than like steak and pepper salts. Like That's a million years yeah, of history. I know. You don't you don't know? Sometimes something's perfect. You don't have to change it or touch it or, yeah. you know, the classics are there for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was the sort of idea originally was to get everybody sharing and then to put things on that aren't really available in the city, yeah. but that aren't too challenging yeah. for people. Um, like scotch eggs, we're making our own yeah. black pudding. We're also making our own Baileys. So stuff like that, that it sort of, everyone knows what it is, but you're doing it your way. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, how much of that, how satisfying is it to be able to do that and how well received has it been from the guests who have come here over the last little while? Uh, really well received, uh, thankfully. <laughs> I can breathe out now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um the thing that I have been very happy with is when Irish English people have come to eat, mm-hmm. they understand straight away. They see what this is. Exactly. Like, yeah. They get it. It's sort of like pub grub, but they also know that it's a little bit of a step up. Mm. So they, they understand straight away. Maybe it's going to take a little bit of a while uh, for um, Swedish people or Finnish people to actually start and just share and sort of not have it broken down into that starter main course mm. dessert sort of thing. Uh, but it's a bit, bit weird. Like, correct me if I'm wrong here, right? But, you know, when, when I eat at my mother-in-law's house, everything's put in the middle. Exactly. And you take from that and put 100%. it on your plate. Is that not the same kind of sharing here? Um, I think it is in homes. Yeah. But maybe in a restaurant, it's sort of... It's a little bit more ingrained in society's mind that you, okay, I come in, I order my starter, I order my main, and I order and the, my And dessert. then we split the bill down to the very last penny kind exactly. of thing. <laughs> exactly. And that makes it very difficult. I ate that, uh, which also is another thing that drives me absolutely yeah. I saw you eat those two breadsticks and drives don't you... drives me insane. <laughs> like, there's nothing worse to go out. And then it's just go, ah, we split the bill. Of course, if someone's only had, like... Yeah, a yeah. glass of wine or something you're not going to go Fair okay <laughs> you're going to pay for you know your yeah. share as well but yeah so to, that was the sort of idea of how do I like to go out and eat Yeah. what makes sense to me what can you bring from as mm. you said when you're in someone's home yeah make it as homey and as cosy as you possibly can do restaurant people split the bill like that as well or do you just go okay there's six of us split it in six we so. go there's six of us split in six that's it 100% yeah or at least that's what I do with, with Th- That would be the greatest cultural revolution in my 20 odd years in Sweden <laughs> if we could just get them to split the fucking bill evenly. You know? Oh, I, I don't think between uh, with my friends who are all mostly Swedes, the conversation wouldn't even come up. What did you just... Uh, you know, no, we, sometimes also somebody would just pay and go, I paid. Uh, you get it the next time. But yeah, we exactly. Go, yeah. The next time we go out, yeah. But, but I find that some people get freaked out by that because they feel like that they owe you, that you're, yeah, you know, maybe, but like I you're think some mafia a, don. I think that's another... Cu- <laughs> <laughs> They're going to knock on their door. Uh, I think that's another cultural thing as well. Irish people will always buy around. Yeah. Even if you're leaving. Even if it's, okay, I've been included in this, I have to go. I'll get it anyway. I'll get it anyway. Yeah, yeah. That would be, I would say when I moved first, that's one that I noticed mm. sort of <laughs> straight away. You go for a drink after work. It's wasted. You're wasting time by each individual person going to the bar and ordering a beer, and then there's no conversation, and you're like, yeah, no, that's a that's when that still rags on me a hundred percent. Or come come to a knee and you learn how to get around that. How how many years are you in Sweden now? Um, nine. Nine years. Nine years. Yeah. Time flies all together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'm not I'm not joking when I say that literally everybody (laughs) in pubs and bars and everything. You have to talk to Claire about this place. They have to come in. Where are they? James Lyon has contacted me he said right we have to book a table when can you go and I said then and then I didn't hear from him because now he oh, has standard, his hunt- standard yeah. James yeah he has his hunting license so he's sitting up a tree with a oh, shotgun okay you know, moment, I so. see I see mind you there is a risk that he'll bring whatever he shoots and we'll have uh, to eat perfect that, you know? lovely, lovely. Um, why do you think 
people think so well of you in the business here, right? No, wow, Jesus. I wasn't prepared for these uh, questions. <laughs> uh, I might say something I ask myself regularly. Being like, how did, how did this happen? I ha- have no how idea. How did this happen? <laughs> maybe, maybe a question. Maybe you can ask Cassie. Uh, <laughs> or maybe I don't want to hear the answer that Cassie has. Off the record. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't know. I'd say it's just... I know that I've been very lucky with the people that I've worked with. Mm. So it, even from from like day one, first job, first job was in the pig's ear on Nassau Street in Dublin. Oh, yeah. Um, and from then, I've just been, I've been incredibly, incredibly lucky yeah. with the people that I've worked with and the people that you've learned from. Yeah. Um, so that's, I, I think that's what's, I guess, in some ways... Land, why I now have this place yeah. this place it's sort of that everyone that's come behind you or that's standing behind you has sort of gone okay this person is good at this job yeah we have a suggestion the restaurant industry also is so small yeah. that it's sort of okay I have a position before you advertise it you call people yeah you know or that maybe would be interested or you text a friend and say oh do you know anyone yeah. That's interested in that. <clears throat> and if your name is the name that comes up all the time, then you're going to be the lucky one that gets the calls. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to sort of maintain that humility in yourself as well to know that, okay, mm. someone has put my name forward. I have to now I'm representing them yeah, in yeah. a way as well. So, yeah, I think I've just been I've just been very lucky mm. uh, with every sort of choice that I've made along the way. Mm. When did you open the doors here? 24th of March. How has it been since then? Wow. <laughs> we have uh, all the time in the world. Exactly. <laughs> um, it's, been, it's been great. Uh, the team has really sort of gelled well together. We're a small team. We're only four in the kitchen and three outside. Yeah. So everyone getting on well together. And of course, it's... Like any restaurant, there's fluctuation days in terms of is it busy, is it not busy. Yeah. Um, and maybe the street, people don't know it's here. It's, it's gonna, It always takes time for sort of the word to get out. Yeah. Um, I would say from my side, probably not prepared for now it's your name on the door. Yeah. So is that a big step up? A hu- yeah. Um, a huge one, actually. <laughs> Way because bigger than of, what I thought it was. Because, of course, you've run restaurants before, but it's not it's not your name sort of on the line mm. a little bit. So that's it's there's the added sort of emotional pressure of that one mm. as well that you have to learn to just, OK, you know. This is this is good. <laughs> just we don't have to keep poking that bear to make it perfect yeah. sort of thing. But there is that thing, though, that like there is a pressure on you, you know, that maybe yeah. it's very difficult. If you were working eight hours a day in the two star restaurant at the Grand Hotel, when you lock the door at night, that's it. right? You're done. That exactly. doesn't really happen for you at the moment, uh, right? No, it doesn't happen. But that's also um, in the past couple of months, I've sort of learned as well that you have to do that. Mm. You can't be here. 24-7 yeah. uh, and you also have to you have to put the trust in that you've trained your team up properly yeah. um, and like it's only food at the end of the day if yeah. someone makes a mistake they make a mistake like yeah, exactly nobody died get the next Ho- one right hopefully <laughs> <laughs> got a couple like, of serious injuries fingers crossed <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so there's there's that uh, sort of that's the I would say for me that was the sort of biggest hurdle to get over is uh, stepping away yeah. From that and learning to just go, okay, something can run without you. Mm. You don't have to be here all the time. Do you know what? That's also a bit of a kick in the teeth as well. You know, because yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. think that, hey, I'm the center of oh, the universe here. 100%. And actually, like, they're, they're pretty okay. Ego absolutely slammed. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Is that difficult for you? Um, Two weeks ago, if you'd asked me that question, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but now sort of uh, change, change the way you approach things, change the way the guys are, their schedule is set so that it's, it's not one person that's like 
here all the time. Yeah, yeah. Does it, it doesn't stand or fall with one person kind of no, thing. Yeah, exactly. I, of course, nothing stands or falls with one person. Yeah. That's a... <laughs> you're going to have a sad life if you think well, that's well, that's right a, and it's just like we, we talk about it all the time. Business people talk about that single point of failure all the time, you know. And but, but there's so much mitigation goes against that. And it really is that thing of, you know, if there's just... If there's one chef here or one busboy or dishwasher or waitress here mm. and they're the whole business, you got yourself a problem there. Because yeah. the day they don't show up, you're screwed, right? For, for sure. Sure, hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. What, what about the economics of it, right? Because obviously, this place has to wash its face. Rent has to be paid. Yep. There's seven people working here. They have to get a wage at the end of the month. Suppliers have to be paid. Are you one of these people who's here at sort of seven, eight o'clock in the morning, checking out vegetable prices online and where you can get your fish and that kind of thing? Or yes. Um, it's it's not so much. It's not that sort of like Hollywood thing that it you know it's yeah. every morning. Shouting <laughs> down the phone. Yeah. No, 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 not at all. But you you have to keep track of those things, and especially now, like things are fluctuating. Yeah, massively, and some of the things that uh, that you don't think have jumped in price yeah. have skyrocketed. What's the uh, main one there? Chives. Uh, <laughs> chives actually has. I was like, wow, this is. Crazy. This is ridiculous. Crazy, crazy on prices. Uh, and also sweetbreads um, has the price on it. They're just insane. Daft. Uh, yeah, so that's a, something that you sort of have to keep track on. But everything, the document comes in with the deliveries. Yeah. So as long as whoever is packing them away has a bit of an idea. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of checking how that is. And then just every two or three weeks just sort of run through everything to make sure that, like you said, your margins are Yeah, are still are, there. Are right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, does that take away from the crack of running a restaurant having to worry about this nonsense? Um it does and it doesn't. Um it's sort of it's like any job. It's uh, it's the next it's the next step up. Oh, sort of a necessary evil kind of thing. Exactly. You know? And <clears throat> I think as well, the more that you are in a kitchen, no matter what level that you're at, that you know the sort of monetary value on things, the more respect you have yeah. for that ingredient anyway. Yeah. And like we said earlier with Japanese style of cooking, the more respect you have for that, that you're not throwing anything away, yeah. then of course the more money you're going to make out of the product that you get in. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say that's something that we sort of are thinking a lot about yeah. in the kitchen just to see, you know, what's not what's not being thrown away. Does that mean that your menu has to be sort of flexible in that, you know, the specials that you put on or whatever, hang on, I have a whole bunch of fish here or um, I have a whole bunch of whatever, I have to do yes. something that maybe is not on the menu. Um, to an extent, yes. Yeah. Yes and no. Uh, if something doesn't show up, then you just sort of, there's a, always a possibility of getting it somewhere else. Yeah. Um, is it incredibly frustrating? Absolutely. <laughs> um, but usually you'll find out sort of early, early doors in the morning that, you know, something's not going to arrive. Yeah. Or you just turn around and say, okay, we only have a certain amount of this today. Yeah. And that's, uh, I suppose that's a little yeah. bit limited. There's one of the things that absolutely sort of, you know, drives you mad at restaurants. You come in and you go, yeah, I really want that. And then that isn't there. It know? actually happened last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> we had guests sitting in the corner over there and they were like, oh, we had already decided two days ago what we were going to eat. Oh, but we no. had changed the menu. But it turned out we had some of what we'd actually still had some left. Yeah. Uh, that we had, we were going to have for staff food or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, we had, so they sent it out. Uh, and the yeah. staff went hungry. Uh, no, no, we had, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's always something to eat downstairs. <laughs> no worries. It's always something at the back of the fridge. Yeah, kind of thing, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I noticed that you have Irish oysters here and that kind of thing. Yeah. Do you have a lot of contact with Board Beer? Are they sort of looking at this place as okay? Maybe you can showcase some of these uh, things. Uh, not yet, actually. But whoever's listening, that'd be great. <laughs> I shall put this right in front of them. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, the Irish oysters are actually coming in from a fish supplier that we had. We'd sort of set it up. Mm. Even before we opened, yeah, um, and there, you have to be a little bit advanced on on getting those in, yeah. Um, and I think that's the only. It's on, the Irish oysters are the one thing that was sort of had to be a, a sort of standing order set in stone. Lambs coming in from Meath, yeah. uh, but that's that's not a problem. And surprise, I was surprised actually with uh, when we started looking at whiskies and stuff. Uh, what was already coming into the country. Yeah. Yeah, Kilbegan. Who knew? 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw a few of those a few years ago. There was a Clontarf whiskey that existed for a brief period. And then, you know, there's all sorts of other stuff that comes in as well. Yeah. But th- those things are easy to get your hands yeah, on. Yeah, I was really surprised. And uh, when we started talking about the whiskies and stuff and having like a sort of house whiskey yeah. uh, for Irish coffees, etc., I was like, oh, God, it'd be great if we could get Kilbegan. Yeah. Because uh, that was the first, first whiskey I myself tasted yeah. when we went on the old distillery tour at 12. And they're like, oh, you'll have to <laughs> have to taste out of the bin sort of thing. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, so that was that was already coming in, yeah, uh, which surprised me a lot. And then drum shampoo gins were coming in as well. They're getting well. very popular now, believe Very, yeah. very popular. Uh, which was like it was really nice to see that those things were available. Yeah. And then, like we said, anything else that was sort of you know black pudding, that kind of thing. I was like, we can make that ourselves rather than trying to yeah import it in. It, the name obviously is in Irish, but mm. you don't. There's no tricolours here. There's no fields of Athenry nope. on in the background. Um, and actually, in all of our social media on the website, it says Gastro Bar. <laughs> it doesn't say anything. Um, it's just everybody has decided. Ah. Oh. It's an Irish woman in the kitchen. Yeah. It's an Irish pub. That has to be it. Uh, no, but there isn't. And that was a sort of very conscious decision yeah. as well. No pictures of Devil Air anywhere. <laughs> uh, no, that was also, yeah, like I said, a, a conscious decision to also just not pigeonhole stuff. Mm. Because maybe it, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Maybe I run out of ideas. Like it doesn't always have to be, you know, something that... That you've come up with that kind of thing, I, yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. it can be. There's two French chefs in the kitchen. I was like, guys, you want to put something up? Go ahead. Go do it, yeah. You know, we can make it into, you know, something that suits the restaurant concept. It doesn't yeah. always have to be that kind of thing. And when you pigeonhole yourself, when you sort of stick a label on this is the style of food coming out of the kitchen, it yeah. becomes, it becomes, I, I guess, in a way, probably creatively limiting. Yeah, exactly. It always has to be this. Well, the this moment thing. you put like one place on the map, you say, oh, this is French or this yep. is Irish. Then all of a sudden you've closed off the rest of the world. Uh, you know? Exactly. And then, of course, then guests come in and go, well, that's not what you said it was. Like, yeah. so, well, the prime example, the Japanese restaurant that was here, it was a tasting menu. Yeah. But we would get people who would come in and say, oh, I don't want so much rice. And like, we don't have rice. <laughs> but you have that you have that already set image in your mind that you're going to sit down and have a load of sushi, which yeah. is not not the case at all. So when yeah, there when you pigeonhole it into that it sort of yeah, you you run yourself into problems. This is well yeah, you're down that blind yeah. alley with the fish and exactly, that's it. Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Who comes here, Claire? Oh, nobody. I know. <laughs> That's why I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've had, like I said, we've had we had a bachelor party actually from Ireland, and I think the boys play football, and they mentioned you as well. So oh, don't go. worry, everyone that's come in has said, ah, oh, you should do that. <laughs> like you know, he, he has so to. So not only are they contacting me exactly, <laughs> but I was like, he has to call me. I can't ring him and be like, sure, I'll do the podcast for you. No worries. <laughs> um, uh, curious, I guess people that are curious about what it is. Of course, there's a lot of people living in this area. Yeah. Um, and then we also have six other sister restaurants. Yeah. So they're sending people over that are sort of. There's a bit of sort of networking goes on with them. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. And then sometimes people just walk by and pop in. These windows actually open up completely. Yeah. So now that it's warm and stuff, we can we can have those open and then people notice that it's here a little bit. Yeah. Because there's a big sort of um, the facade of the building next door is getting done it was actually quite difficult to see when exactly yeah. and that's going to be there till November they put it up in March two weeks before we opened oh, no. Isaac perfect timing perfect timing thanks lads yeah I know exactly it could be worse it could have been right on front yeah exactly <laughs> so, yeah, that would have messed it up uh, right, exactly you know? but that's going to be there from November so it is a little bit difficult to see but once that goes there's a whole awning that so comes can out so it, 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 it does stand out on the street once <laughs> once the monstrosity next door has gone away <laughs> All the skips I got it. How can people find you? How should they book a table? Do they call All you? All through the website. Right. So on the website, there's links for booking tables. We don't have a phone, actually. Uh, do you we, not? Uh, no. Sensible we, woman. We don't have it. Um, also because it sort of, um, it takes a, it can take someone's attention. So yeah. it's sort of like, if you're here, it's nice that we can fully focus on yeah. this rather than, you know. I always I found that noise horrible in a restaurant exactly. when a phone rings. Exactly, anyway, I need you know? to have a phone or whatever. People contract also through Instagram and stuff like that. But booking a table, 
go through the website. And the website is at inini.se. Inini.se, exactly. Perfect. And the menu is all there and that kind of thing. Menu is all there. It's in Swedish, Mm. uh, but we can all. We have Google Translate. We can all translate, right? Exactly. (laughs) So if I go there now to see, if I go to the website, I book the table, I'll grab Zach Elbazadi from Solna. What can we expect from the moment we walk in here? If you were to say, right, Phil, if you want to get the best experience at this restaurant, eat this, drink this, then get out. What, what would you What would you recommend? Get, get, get out. Yeah. Get out. Right. <laughs> Lovely. Hopefully the girls don't say that to people. Um, I would say, I, I know that our service staff, Leah and Lida and Agnes, are taking people through the menu of yeah. how we would like you to eat it yeah. in a sort of very suggestion, sort of this is how we would go about it. Yeah. So sit down, of course, order a drink, mm. have a look through the menu. We have small snacks and stuff that maybe, okay, we can have something to nibble if you know we don't, have a, yeah. we don't have a straightaway decision yeah. uh, and then like I said I would take those things a little bit of everything to share mm. everything works well together as well it's not going to become confusing mm. and be like oh this is <laughs> these two things don't <laughs> go together yeah. work. so everything is a little bit on the subtler side of flavours as well so for me what I would do uh, we have a mussel dish with um, almonds and seaweed and whey foam creamy buttery mm. Um, and then I would obviously take the black pudding because um, I wasn't going to make it at the start, and now it's the one thing that we actually have people just dropping in just to have that, Is that and right, yeah? a pint of O'Hara's in the bar. So, well. <laughs> exactly. Uh, every review we've had, people have specifically pointed pointed this out. <laughs> so that uh, is never going to go away. <laughs> that is now the cornerstone of the, this uh, is a black pudding restaurant. Exactly. <laughs> I know. I was like, we just do, we do black pudding and that's it. <laughs> black pudding and oyster is lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would say take the mussels, oysters. We're making scotch eggs. Mm-hmm. Like, have, have a few of those small little things. We have vodka, beer battered fish as well that of course everyone is like, oh, I want to have fish and chips. I don't want to send it with the chips. Yeah. The chips are on the side, guys. Lovely. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah but of sort bag. of go along with that. And like I said, we have lamb dishes. We have rabbit leg that's uh, actually doing really, really well. Um, so. And sort of to share there as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, but that's how I would go about it. And listen to how the girls guide, yeah. guide you through it mm. is, so I would say, the best way to... Start to understand what the plan the plan was. What the plan should be, kind exactly. Of yeah. What do you do when you're not here? <laughs> Think about work. <laughs> uh, like we said, you go out and eat. Um, go out and drink. A friend of uh, ours opened a pop up wine bar last night, so go and see what yeah. they are doing. Yeah, that's a, that is mostly it. Yeah, when you're when you're not here, you're in someone else's restaurant. That's, that's essentially market research. Basically, though, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. This is the first place with your name over the door. Do you have plans for world dominance for one Absolutely of these in Navan? not. Somebody <laughs> asked me that question yesterday. They were like, how's it going? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, so never good. again. It's been so much. Yeah, I was like, never again. And then, then he pointed out, he was like, yeah, but you have to remember that we have this sort of like addict mentality that mm. you say never again and then someone until the next time someone in a year's time goes oh maybe we should do that we should do this and then you oh, there is that thing we, yeah. got, we got through it before we get through it again you, sort of you, thing you kind of you, when you're given a little bit time to forget you know I always come home from these big things like the Olympics and the World Cup and that kind of thing and I think jeez I can't do that anymore like yeah, 30 days straight <laughs> yeah. and then after a week ago when's the next World Cup on yeah. you know kind of thing you know? Know. Yeah, but yeah, would so. you have ambitions to have a bigger place than this a different place um I wouldn't, no. Uh, bigger than this, definitely not. Smaller, maybe. Mm. Um, I never planned to have a restaurant in the first place. <laughs> At all. It was never, no, it was never, like a lot of chefs, of course, would be like, okay, my end goal is to have my own place. Yeah. It was never. Was it not, no? No, it was always sort of, I'm very good at making somebody else's idea yeah. become a reality. Yeah. Um, and also, as you said, probably quite happy to stand behind <laughs> behind somebody <laughs> yeah. somebody else um, I would say also I know self-promotion has never been you know the easiest yeah. the easiest thing uh, but when the guys sat down you sort of it's an offer you can't refuse and also like you think about it and kind of go I know people that would jump at this chance yeah, yeah. so you sort of have to go okay It'd be a shame to turn it down. Exactly. It'd be a shame to turn it down. And also, it would be very 
it would be very strange then uh, to stay within the company and then stand behind somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Again, in the same environment. Yeah. Like, it just would have been yeah. sort of strange. So is that it now? Because you've sort of, you've riven, uh, risen into the sort of the top echelon now kind of thing, right? Your name's over the door and that <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. You're deeply uncomfortable with that. We'll let that <laughs> yeah, pass. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> does that mean that, you know, you were, you've hung up your frying pan for now? Or do you still... Absolutely not. No, Absolutely. you still you roll can't. up your sleeves. You can't. You can't. Like, you still, you in, you have to prep with the guys. You have to show, like, you have to be still hands-on. Absolutely. And it's really boring to be that person <laughs> who just... Um, I think everybody who comes into management and starts to run the pass and plate up and sort of yeah. call out the orders. My God, all you want to do is go back and stand in the corner and cook the meat. That's it. Like, uh, and you have to do it. I have always maintained, friends of mine laugh at me for this one, but I'm like, I have to do that every so often. Yeah. So that first of all, you can see, okay, maybe this is too difficult yeah. for someone. Maybe I have set things that are humanly impossible. Mm. But unless you keep putting yourself back in those sort of shoes, you can... You can't just stand and bark orders. It's it's not fair. Yeah. Uh, probably as well. I don't know, but I'm assuming you probably lose a little bit of respect from your team as well, because they're sort of like, well, you don't understand. Yeah. You know. You you were doing this ten, fifteen years ago. Exa- Everything's changed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or it could be also like, oh, you notice this piece of equipment isn't working, working yeah. how it how it should be. Mm. Or, uh, okay, now I can see a more efficient better way to get from a to b yeah while we're doing this so that you know your life will become a little bit a little bit easier i uh, <laughs> i get the guys to set up their sections exactly the same yeah every day so that someone can just come and jump in and everything's there um, yeah like the chefs are coming out with the food they are interacting with the guests yeah our bar area opens up into the kitchen mm. so it's sort of there is a, a natural movement within the kitchen as well mm. that it sort of it might not always just be that person yeah. frying everything. You have to be no, you have to you have to stay humble, guys. You can't uh, <laughs> you can't be you, you can't uh, you can never just assume that you know I'm the best at this. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. No way. No. Open it, <laughs> Maybe op- ask me that in a year. I exactly. Might, I might say something different. <laughs> I'm never going to back in the kitchen again. Uh, opening hours here at, on Tim and Manscothan. What yeah. day is you open? We're open Wednesday to Sunday. Wednesday to Sunday. Open at four o'clock. Yep. Um, closing times varying over the week, but mm-hmm. Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, we're closed at 11. Friday, Saturday, closed at 12. Okay, and there's a little bar here, so you can come in and you can have a pint yeah. of O'Hara's and a black pudding. You can pop in, and we have that the whole bar area inside as well. That's all drop-in areas that yeah. you can just come in, have a drink. It's not. We wanted it to have that sort of wine bar feel as well, that you don't always have to come and eat something. Yeah, and you don't always have to come and have that three-course yeah. sit-down dinner for two and a half hours. Yeah, you can come in, like I said, grab a little bit of black pudding, or just sit, have a glass of wine. It's there's no stress on how you want to like to be do taken it, yeah. care of at and all. You're going to stay open all summer, right? Yeah. We are not going to stay open all summer. Okay. Actually, we're going to close for two last two weeks in July, first two weeks or last two weeks in July, first week in August. Sensible. Because the city empties out, dead, uh, dead, and it's also from a sort of business point of view, everyone's off. Yeah. And everyone's all off together, and yeah. nobody's calling you to say we don't have this. We what are you going to do for those three weeks? I have no idea. <laughs> of course, my mother is like, you're coming home. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to sleep is what uh, I'm going to do. Sleep, yeah, yeah, yeah. But summers in Sweden are so nice. It's sort mm. of, it almost feels like a waste to go home. Yeah. You want to go home at Christmas when it's, you know, it's miserable and you're expecting it to be <laughs> miserable. But it, it's uh, it's really horrible to go home and it like piss and rain for three weeks and then yeah. there's lovely sunshine here. So, exactly. Yeah. I, have, I, I have no plans right. as of right now. So yeah. everybody out there listening to this, you have until the second second week of July to get in here <laughs> empty your wallet into the till and then we'll be back again in the first week of August Claire thanks so much for your time no we, we will be back to do a little discreet review uh, of perfect <laughs> guys uh, on Google and TripAdvisor you can just pop them all in there <laughs> thanks so much for talking to me nice Good evening, everything to your satisfaction oh, oh yes. well uh, I don't like the chips sorry 
The chips are awful. Oh, dear. What's, uh, what's wrong with them, then? They're the wrong shape and they're just awful. I'm afraid he gets everything cooked the way he likes it at home. Ah, uh, does he? Does he? Yes, I do, and it's better than this pig's garbage. Now, Ronald! These eggs look like you laid them. Ronald! <laughs> uh, look, look, look here, old chap. Shut up! Leave him alone! He's very clever, rather highly strung. Yes, yes, he should be. <laughs> You know what? I could be making podcasts the rest of my life and I will never be able to resist interviewing somebody who works in the restaurant business and following it up with a little clip from Faulty Towers. If you know, you know, as the saying goes. Um, really enjoyed that chat with Claire. Just a fascinating woman altogether and doing brilliant things there, right? Um, I'm going to have to encourage everybody, especially those of you with big corporate credit cards, right, who are taking clients out and feeding them oysters and fine wines and all that kind of thing. Bring them down there, lads, right? It's an absolutely key period uh, when a restaurant kicks off, when they open the doors for the first time. Um, months and months and months of work has gone in there and they need people coming through the doors, right? Now, Claire's never going to say that. Nobody in the restaurant business is ever going to say that to you, right? But, you know, if I can put the call out to the community now, go into their website, go onto their Instagram, uh, book a table, go down there and try it out. I'm going to grab Zach Elbazadi at some point now this week and we'll go down there and we'll have a bite to eat and we're going to pay for ourselves and we're taking nothing for nothing. We're just going to get down there and support Claire because she deserves it. She's working so hard in that restaurant. And it's not only that. The two boys, we have Mr. LB said, we do like a good dinner, so we do, right? So we're going to go down there and have the L sport, and then I'm going to tell absolutely everybody about it, right? And uh, please do so too. They're going to be closing for a few weeks there at the end of July, early August, and I'm sure they'd like to uh, get as many people through the doors as possible. So, and if you happen to be working for Board B, or if you happen to be in the food or restaurant business yourself, get down there and have a chat with her, because even in, we had a little conversation after that then, and we realised that there's a few people I know that she doesn't know, and a few people that she knows that I don't know, etc, etc, and we can all benefit from one another, and I suppose that's kind of uh, the whole point of this podcast, is bringing all these people together. So if you've had going on there, if you're going to have any sort of a, a do with work before you all break up for the summer and go off for your six weeks holidays wherever you're going go down there if you know anybody leaving if there's a leave and do if somebody's retiring if it's a 50th birthday she did mention that we had a bunch of Irish lads in there on a bachelor party right now I think I know who it might be right and I my suspicions were sort of confirmed when she said they were the best behaved bunch of Irish people she's ever seen right so I think I know who it might have been but uh, yeah, more of that kind of thing. Get down there, enjoy the food, enjoy the few drinks. Uh, tell Claire that the Irish and Sweden podcast sent you. That is it for this week, right? A huge thank you, as always, to Martin Hessian at Veerstrums, who was also one of the people who texted me to say, have Claire on, she's brilliant, right? Uh, Martin has supported this podcast from the very beginning, as has the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden. They're very generous, and we're looking at doing a sort of a live event with them at some point. I just have to talk to them and get it nailed down uh, about how we're going to do it, you know, but we'll do a, a sort of a crossover thing where hopefully we'll be able to broadcast it live on social media as well so it will go to the whole community all over the country whether you can be there or not and then we'll put it out as a podcast then afterwards if you couldn't make the live event so that's uh, it, the plans are ongoing there and again I'd say to you uh, if you're working for one of the big companies here right um, there's always the opportunity to go in I will be putting sponsor packages up now probably over the summer I'm going to take me time over how we're going to form these things and if you're in the corporate world and you have the opportunity to sponsor the podcast right it might be a small amount of money for you it's going to make a big 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 difference to me right irishinsweden.com is out there as well I'm taking some of these uh, interviews that we do and some of the things uh, that are happening in the community and I'm converting them into tech stories and I'm putting them out there and it's all just to provide a service it's all provided to provide something uh, for us to gather around i gave the commitment to do that on st patrick's day when we had a lunch with uh, the business community and the various state agencies and the ambassador was there and that kind of thing so uh, i said i'd do that and i'm holding up my side of the bargain so if you can consider sponsoring that i'll be putting the, the sponsorship packages out and circling them uh, circulating them in the business community so it'd be great if you could all get on board there and of course as i say if you have a business if you have anything that you'd like to promote or like to talk about uh, feel free to come on now i'm always going to ask about your personal story right so if you're not prepared to share that's going to be a very short conversation so we're delighted of course to tell the stories the great success stories of Irish businesses but we also want to know about your life and you living over here and that's what other that's what other people want to hear as well you know so if you're prepared to share those stories get in touch and we'll put them out there for the people we're coming up on one hour by the time the old team tune is played we'll probably have broken that barrier but that is it for another week uh, keep an eye out now because things are starting to happen to be uh, family days with the Swedish Irish Peter Miller going mad down there in Malmo. We're looking for a volunteer from somewhere down around Gothenburg and maybe one up in Yavla as well if we have one. 
uh, to be the Swedish Irish Society's local ambassador there but sure we'll deal all with all of that as and when it happens for the time being boys and girls take care of yourselves take care of one another have a wonderful week and at the start of next week I'll be back again with another episode of the Irish in Sweden podcast this time about an author who's just published her first book and it's a fascinating tale altogether but more of that next week until then take care good luck <laughs>